Welcome to the Inclusive Activism Podcast. I am always, as always, am your host, Rowdy Duncan, and I am here today to talk to you about the idea of deep canvassing. So deep canvassing stems from a simple idea. You have the ability to potentially change people's minds through conversation. Canvassers use this method to engage voters in conversation and get them to a mutual understanding by providing alternate perspectives. This is a two-way conversation between canvassers and voters where voters are asked to share their personal experiences around an issue being discussed. So this strategy lays out the idea of sharing your experiences to get the conversation started. Uh, it also, uh, you can also ask about other people's experiences in order to get them to reflect on well, how do they really, were they really affected by things? What do they really think about information? Your goal is to listen to voters and attempt to get them to think and share. So don't think it so much of this as talking at somebody as talking with somebody and asking them pointed questions to get a sense of how people are really benefiting or what they're really feeling about this topic or idea. And the idea in this is to attempt to highlight common command, common humanity with others. So you want them to see the humanness in you, so arguing does no good here. And you want to attempt to see the humanness in them so you can better understand what they're thinking and feeling. <clears throat> so basic components of deep can canvassing is to ask for the voter's opinion on a certain issue and then really take some time to explore it. Why do you think this way? Why do you feel this way? <clears throat> um, you're going to ask for a voter's personal story or an experience with an issue. So again, it's not just like, what do you think about blah, but like, how did, how were you affected by this? What did this do to you? What net gain or benefit did you see from this thing? Um, you want to connect a personal story. So a story from you to, uh, the voter's initial opinion or the initial idea, right? So you really want to like get a sense of like, what is the experience you've had or what is the experience you've seen once you've listened to the other person? So no, this is going to take time, right? for it to be effective, but you want to connect a personal story about how you were affected or what you saw and what you noticed uh, to attempt to gain a sense of mutual understanding and mutual connection with somebody else. Um, you want to engage with their initial concerns and opinions, but then also give them time and space to ponder ideas and questions. So again, when we're really thinking about this, we need to give people time and space to really think and reflect. Um, and you also want to attempt to address people's initial concerns and then, again, give them some time and space to think about stuff. And then lastly, get back to the original issue and then see if their opinion has changed or shifted in some way. So the idea here is to get a conversation going around the issue, not just get someone's like yes or no. Um, in deep canvassing, uh, don't use polar data, right? Like, don't get a sense that someone's going to like, oh, you've always voted like this way. You'll never necessarily change. Um, so why does this work? <clears throat> it's because self-persuasion is one aspect of social influence. In simple terms, voters take an active role in persuading themselves to change their attitudes and thoughts on a particular issue. The canvasser isn't, isn't supposed to play a role in persuasion. Rather, you want to place the voter in a situation where they can persuade themselves 
to potentially change or shift issues. So you can't tell them. You have to ask them questions that might give them the opportunity for a new aha, and then they change their own minds. Uh, what else does it do? It utilizes this concept of active processing. It is an approach which facilitates experiences, role-playing, situations, different scenarios. So here, people will apply the knowledge they already know. So when a voter is presented with a canvasser's experience or thoughts on a particular topic, the voter tries to generate, reorganize, and then self-explain it to themselves. This way, it makes the voter think about their own experiences and get a sense of their background and thoughts <clears throat> about how they feel. Uh, next is it gets people an opportunity for perspective taking. It considers or understands an issue from a different point of view. When canvassers shift their perspective, it makes voters ponder and consider the alternative. Sharing their own experiences <coughs> adds value as they see the same old issue, issue in a new light. <coughs> and then it also is going to give space and place for people to experience and potentially work through cognitive dissonance. This is the tension that comes from holding two conflicting thoughts in your brain at the same time. This is when your actions don't match your beliefs. The act of deep canvassing helps people to realize their beliefs and actions don't always go in hand in hand and can create a space that might can tell them, uh, give them the ability to change. So understand that this is a long-term investment. This is a series of several conversations. Uh, so um, deep canvassing isn't going to be incredibly effective for like everybody. Actually, you might only change 10% of people's minds. And I know you might like, what? This sounds like a lot of time and effort to only change 10% of people's minds. But consider the election was won by way less than 10% last time we had one. So <clears throat> get a sense of what you're hoping to do. And then also get a sense of people that are somewhat on the, on the fence, somewhat um, not, uh, really completely sold out, right? Like if someone is like a real hard Trumper, you're not going to flip them with like three or four of these deep canvassing conversations. You want to find someone that voted for him last time on a whim and then see if he can't move an opportunity to change that person in that space. So again, if you're thinking about doing this in a two hour shift, you can maybe complete five conversations. It takes a long time. And remember, the impact with this is, is accumulative. Um, skills that you have to have is you have to have the ability to active listening. You have to like understand where people co are coming from. You have to have an empathetic response to why and, why and hear they feel the way that they do or they think the way they do. You have to have an ability to hold real conversations with voters, right? Uh, so you need to echo those voters' feelings back to them. You need to give them enough space to reflect. You have to stay on their side and you have to have a very positive intent as well as positive body language that you're there for them, that you're there to help them, right? Uh, you also need the ability to share compelling personal stories. Uh, the purpose of this is to display vulnerability and help the voter feels in, feel feel as though they're in a safe space with you while building on the conversation. Um, by doing so, voters are more inclined to remember and share personal experiences of their own. <clears throat> Challenges to deep canvassing? 
are one, a lack of motivation. Most most people are not voti- motivated enough to hold these deep, long conversations or are not patient enough to create space where people can deeply think about and consider issues. The next one is people have a hard time uh, they're just too passionate about stuff and can't take time to really consider an alternative point of view. Um, so when is it strategic to use deep canvassing? Uh, it's again, when you want to use it to break through to voters who have different perspectives or have voted in different ways than you. And again, you want to get a sense of the whys and hows that they feel this way, right? Um, why does deep canvassing fail to work? Um, it takes a lot of time, but it can have a lasting impact. Um, this me- this method will not work uh, when you're under the gun, right? When you don't have a lot of time, this uh, strategy won't work if you don't if you haven't taken the time to really practice uh, and understand that this is not about being right or wrong. It's about creating a space of understanding. It's about listening, and it's about being present with voters to take the time to think of how to strategically ask questions to give them the opportunity to see why another perspective might be of benefit to them. So with that being said, let's look at how this might work with an example, right? So this example is going to be like we're having a conversation about wall or no wall, right? Now, if we're only having a conversation about wall or no wall, how many examples, how many possible scenarios for outcomes exist? Two, right? Wall, no wall, right? And if you're talking to somebody that believes in the wall or likes the idea of a wall, you have to get a sense of where they're coming from. Why do they need a wall? What are they worrying about that they think a wall is going to fix? So you would want to ask, like, why do you want the wall, right? And they might say safety, or they might say for a sense of security, or that, you know, if... We're gonna have rules, we have to be able to follow the rules, right? Like, otherwise, what's the point in making rules, right? So, now these things are rational, like the need to feel safe, rational. The need to have a sense of economic security, rational, right? If we're gonna have rules, then the rules, we should follow the rules, right? Rational. So, what you wanna do is you wanna ask them questions to get them a sense of, does the wall help with this thing, right? So first one, has the wall made them safe? Now you might know that when it comes to drugs and stuff like that, they tend to use tunnels, right? So this is an example of a story that you could tell that might provide some new light, uh, might provide some new nuance to this conversation. But you can't just be like, well, they use tunnels, the wall's not gonna work. That's not deep canvassing, right? So you know, potentially you can say, like the issue is like, uh, the wall doesn't help with tunnels. Uh, the other thing that you could do is like uh, you have the position of well perhaps if we decriminalize marijuana now we're not going to be smuggling as many drugs across the border right again this is another thing that you know you can use uh, against that right Uh, the next thing you want to ask is uh, think about is like they said economic security right so you want to get a sense of where are they coming from what job do they have how much money do they make have they gotten a raise recently because with the wall no wall argument uh, usually the people that want a wall are blue collar folks that are working in like working people's uh, fields, right? It's usually not like a white collar perspective because they're not coming for their jobs. So their economic security is not really a threat. Uh, again, so you want to get a sense of, you know, are they going to come for their job? 
which is probably not the case. Um, are there jobs out there that pay a lot that they're not looking at? Like thinking about things in a different way. And then lastly, with the rules, you could just be like, hey, you know, there's some stupid rules out there, right? Like you want to think about like what rules are laws that we have in place that really don't make a lot of sense uh, because those exist too. So for an example of uh, unfair laws, you could be like, well, do you pay your taxes? And they're like, yeah, I pay my taxes. And you're like, yeah, I pay my taxes too. But like, what's up with us letting rich people get away with paying no taxes? Like that upsets me because like, I want to support the military and like, I want to make sure parks work. Um, so you can potentially like help them turn by having them see like rich people not paying their taxes is something that is against their interest and is against what they do and against their values because that's an idea that's against the rules. And they might say, well, there's rules that allow that to happen, but you might say, right, but are those good rules or not? It gets them thinking about things and it creates a space where they might be able to change their uh, mind. So things that you could talk about to potentially change people's mind. First one, life is stressful. Now, admittedly, this is a little bit more of a Trump thing than it is a Republican thing. But, like, I think everybody can re realize and recognize that, like, life is incredibly stressful right now, over and over again, all the time. And wouldn't it be nice to, like, have life be somewhat boring again? I mean, we got a pandemic. We got a recession. We got a president that, like, threatens doing crazy stuff, like, over and over again, all the time. We might want to like talk about like, wouldn't it be nice to go back to somebody like Bush, H.W. Uh, Bush, W. Bush, and just be like, yeah, things weren't as stressful with them, right? Or we could talk about like, was life stressful, this stressful with Clinton? And they might be like, well, you know, Clinton cheated on his wife. And I'm like, right. But like, did that stress you out in the same way as like reading about all these tweets and like, like you know, hearing about all these like protests or people getting tear gassed, right? We just want to talk about like, we're under a lot of stress right now and we picked a leader <clears throat> that is inherently like stress and wants to keep stress high. And we want to ask them how they feel about staying in a world that this is this stressful. <sighs> or can we go to a, a little bit more of a more moderate life uh, by voting for more moderate people that aren't going to make things like incredibly crazy pressing issues, right? Again, we can't tell them. We have to ask them questions. How do you feel about this? <clears throat> How do you feel about that? What are your thoughts on this, right? What are your thoughts on pandemic response? What are your thoughts on how uh, they're addressing the economy, right? Again, like if people are worried about the economy, you can point to the fact that Democrats are looking for more money to help the economy than Republicans who are saying, yeah, there's been enough already, right? If you're out of work, you're looking at getting kicked out of your house. Uh, you don't know when you can go back to work. You, this is potential places where you can ask people questions and think of, ask them like, who's more likely to help you crawl out of the hole? Somebody that won't spend money or people that will spend money on programs and efforts to help make sure you're taken care of while you get back on your feet. <clears throat> Point number two, tax reform. So um, they are going to think and run with this line that's been repeated by uh, Trump as well as uh, political conservatives that says the average person had their taxes reduced by $4,000. 
Now, here's the thing. When they say average, they don't mean like the average person. They're saying on average, people's taxes went down $4,000. That's because rich people had tons of taxes taken away from them. Now, my taxes went up, right? And most people I know's taxes actually went up a little bit with this. Because some of the write-offs we used to have available to us, like home office uh, or things of that nature, went away because of uh, the tax reform bill. So again, how did tax reform go for you? Did you see that $4,000 back? Because I didn't see my $4,000 back. And those tax reform uh, efforts led to a $2 trillion deficit, right? Because usually when you're talking to these folks, they don't like deficits. So you can say, ask the question like, well, if, if we're at a deficit and your taxes went up, who, who got the money, right? Where did that average go? And how do you feel about us going into debt to make sure rich people are more rich? Did that help you? Are you interested in that? Do you like that? Give them time and space to consider this thought and idea. Do not shame and blame them. And then perhaps they'll consider their point of view. <clears throat> now again, right? Um, point number three, uh, when there was stimulus, when we got the $1,200 check, when the um, unemployment was $600 a week, who are the people that pushed that? We know, right? It was Democrats that really pushed that idea, really pushed that notion. Republicans signed off, but they didn't push it, right? Like, we want to get them a sense of who helped the stimulus and then who's push, pushing for new money, right? Like, when we look at who's pushing for new money, generally speaking, it's Pelosi that's asking for the more money, the more funds. It's Pelosi that's trying to make sure people don't get evicted or thrown out on the street. Um, it's Pelosi that's looking to make sure that unemployment benefits are funded enough so people can still eat while this stuff is going on, right? <clears throat> so you know these are the people that are doing this stuff. So you want to ask them who is offering up more money. But then you need to get your facts in order and you need to have proof of that stuff. So maybe pull up articles that show your point of view so they can see the truth of what you're trying to say. Because you're citing your resources and they're trying to remember what Fox two News told them six months ago, right? <clears throat> Um, <clears throat> then you want to ask questions about how are you feeling with, um, Republicans in control, right? Like when you look at all these riots and stuff, do you feel safe with Trump in control? Um, given that he's like tear gassing people, sending the military out in the streets to clear the streets with tear gas so he can take a picture with a Bible. Does that make you feel more safe? Does that make you feel more secure? Or would you feel more safe and secure with people who'd be willing to negotiate with folks so they're not protesting on the streets, right? Um, do you feel safe given how Trump talks about racism and white supremacy? Or do you feel like he stokes things and makes that worse? And do you want to vote for somebody that like makes you more scared, makes you more tense? Or do you want to vote for somebody that's kind of more boring on these issues, right? Like we don't want that sense of like, stress and tension all the time and we want somebody that like could be pushed for reasonable reforms because everybody agrees reasonable reform should happen but one group is not open to reasonable reform and one group kind of more is <clears throat> uh, next issue that we could talk about is the coronavirus right now with this one we have a really easy argument because we know 
uh, Andy Comey Barrett is probably going to rule against uh, the Affordable Care Act, which is going to get rid of the coverage of pre-existing conditions. Now, everybody like hated when insurance wouldn't cover pre-existing conditions. <clears throat> so if we know that potentially this person's going to vote against it and that conservatives are supporting folks that are generally speaking going to be against it, we can be like, well, what's the counter plan? And they say they have a counter plan. So you want to ask them, well, what is that counter plan? Because I've looked and looked and looked and I have not seen any evidence of any counter plan. They just say there is one and they don't tell us whether there is. And when that, when that gets struck down by the Supreme Court, it's just going to be gone and nothing's going to be in place to replace it. Right? So this is one of those things where you want to be like, look, coronavirus response has been terrible, like on the conservative point of view, which is bananas because you think like the most conservative people would be like willing to conserve the most life or be the most risk adverse on behalf of everybody, especially if they really believe that all lives matter, right? So we want to be like, hey, the president was so bad in his coronavirus response, he got it. That dude got sick. And like, he should be the easiest person not to get sick given all the resources that he has. And he had access to stuff that we could never have access to do. Like if I got sick, like I would never get the same drugs that he did. I would never get the same attention, right? And we want to ask them how they feel about that. <clears throat> the next point is um, we want to ask about debt, right? Because they like to have conversations about debt. So we want to notice how much the debt has gone up under Republican um, presidencies and how much the debt has gone down or how much spending has gone down over the course of uh, Democratic presidencies or Democratic control. Generally speaking, Democrats get spending under control much better than Republicans do, which again is like pushes against that whole idea of, well, we're fiscally conservative. They're actually not fiscally conservative. Bush blew the debt up with wars. Um, both Bushes did. And then Trump did the same thing with his tax reform stuff. Uh, Obama got spending more under control and Clinton actually created a surplus that would go down to pay the debt down. So <clears throat> we're in debt. And you also want to talk about concerns of cronyism, like the fact that people that are close to, to Trump tend to get money from Trump because he favors the folks around him, right? We want to ask, like, you know, with the PPP loans, did you get a ton of money for your small business? Did you uh, get some huge bailout or was it only folks that are not like you? Right. Uh, another thing that we could talk about is how do you feel about the way the world thinks about us? Um, like we're kind of being laughed at and completely disrespected on a world stage. And I know everybody wasn't a big fan of Obama, but at the same point in time, at the very least, we could go different places and we wouldn't be laughed at on a world stage for being seen as so ac ass backwards, right? <clears throat> the next thing we want to know, right? The economy is bad, right? And they're saying it's getting better, but like we're only just getting we only have got half the jobs back that we lost since the uh, recession began with the uh, pandemic. We only got half those back. Now, I keep hearing from economists that those second half of jobs are going to take forever to claw back because the world's not better yet, right? So what is the plan from the conservative point of view 
to get the world back on track. If you look around, there's not a plan. Now, Biden has a plan because he's got a plan for it's not the Green New Deal, but Green New Deal type initiatives to reinvest in the country. Um, Trump wanted to do something on infrastructure, didn't get it done. Again, <clears throat> if you wanted to get something done and used to be in control of the House and used to be in control of the Senate, then why couldn't you get infrastructure figured out? Well, you couldn't get infrastructure figured out because your tax reform gave away so much money that we couldn't afford to spend that more money on infrastructure. And now we got to deal with potholes, right? <clears throat> you have to ask them questions. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about rich people getting $4,000 extra writ off at your expense? How do you feel about driving around on roads with potholes all the time? How do you feel about the fact that your local school is getting worse and worse while private schools are getting better and better, right? We have to ask. <clears throat> Next point, um, Trump and conservatives are not honest with us and they won't tell us the hard news and they won't tell us the bad news. Like the one thing I will give Republicans about is they will tell us hard news about not spending more when those initiatives about spending more are not aligned to their values. Then they'll say, well, we don't have time about that. We don't have money for that. <clears throat> and it's hard because some of the programs that people like the most, Social Security, Medicare, they say we don't have money for that stuff. But like we're making tanks for like we're giving the military tanks that they don't want right now. That doesn't make any sense either. Like we could easily take that money or we could like withdraw from like bases in Germany because we don't need bases in Germany. We don't like need bases in like Vietnam anymore. And we could save that money and put it back into Medicare, right? Like if people are saying like, you're never going to have social security again, the fix for that is stop the income cap. Right now there's an income cap. If you make a more than 140,000 or is it 400,000? I can't remember. I'd have to look that up. But if we just took the cap off who pays for that, if you're super rich, they should have to pay for that, right? Like, just because you're super rich doesn't mean you should, like, not have to pay into Social Security. Like, who helped make those people super rich? We make Jeff Bozos really rich because we use Amazon, right? So, since we support um, Jeff Bezos, he should pay his taxes because we help him. And so, he should help us have money to be able to retire when we're old so we don't have to work until we die. <clears throat> Again, how do we make those questions? How do we ask people how they feel about those thoughts and ideas? How do we tell stories about those thoughts and ideas? Now, the last thing you want to ask them is, tell me one way Trump is, or the Republicans have made your life better. Now, if they say the $1,200 like, check, that wasn't just them. That was them and several other people, right? Um, and then here's the other thing that you have to be aware of is there's going to be people that you attempt to try to do this with who are willing to suffer if they can make other people suffer. And there's also going to be people who don't want to be persuaded because they don't want to tell people they're going to vote for Trump and the conservatives again, even if it's a bad idea and even if it hurts them. So you need to create some space for them to think about that stuff. And you're not going to change their mind in this one interaction. It's the several interactions over, over, and over again, right? Um, when you really get down to it, especially with Trump, the only appeal 
that Trump has for his base of hardcore 30% supporters is he makes you feel like a victim with him. And I don't get how a guy with all this real estate is a victim. I do get how the 30% of them that support him are victims and keep getting victimized by him over and over again. But the question that you have to fundamentally keep driving towards with kindness and pure curiosity is, he is doing great, but really, are you? One of the things that has really struck me over the course of this last election is, right now, their slogan is, keep America great. Unemployment's at like 8%. The debt is sky high. Uh, There's a pandemic that's raging. We can't get people to wear masks. When we know having people wear masks stops the spread even better than a vaccine would at this point. And yet they still refuse to face the truth of this situation. So again, if this is the bar of keeping America great, I don't want it. I want America to be better because it's not good enough as it stands. And the people that are in charge aren't doing anything. Mitch McConnell's not doing anything. Trump isn't doing anything. He's tweeting about stuff so the market reacts back and forth because he's playing the market so he can make more money off of it because he recognizes when he tweets he makes more money or he can make the stock market go down and then make it go up. All you got to do is invest in index funds and then say things that makes the market go up or makes the market go down, right? So again, is he there for you or is he just saying he's there for you? And I get it. Democrats have a huge issue in reaching out to voters like this and making them feel included on issues. But the problem is no one's slowing down to take the time to talk about the issues. And how are your, is your life really going to be better or is your life really going to be worse? That is the heart of what we want to like explore and understand when we look at this idea of deep canvassing. So with that, consider who just happened to vote on vote for Trump on a whim. Who do you know that is willing to think and consider stuff? Like it may not be your uncle, like your your uncle may like go down swinging for Trump, right? Your uncle may go down swinging, dying for Trump because he's not going to wear masks. That's not the guy to talk to. You want to talk to people who voted for him last time and ask them, where is their life different? Where is this life better? And you want to think of questions ahead of time that help people get to the answers that I've helped you understand here, right? Like, how do you feel about how we're respected in the world? What is the Republican plan to get us out of the recession? Do you feel like Trump is willing to tell you bad news? Or does he tell you about bad news to just blame somebody else? You know, again, if you're in charge of law and order and you think like things are out of control, well, you're in charge. So if things are out of control, that's your responsibility because you're in charge and you hold two of three areas of government. So you have the capacity to do something about this. So you can't be a victim when you're in charge, right? In some ways, he's attempting to running on, run on change when he's the person in charge. That makes no sense. So with that... Um, Look at some folks, have some conversations, talk about some things, and realize that like, even if it's not who's president, maybe you can make it on 
who's the senator. Maybe you can make it on some ballot initiatives that might be have the ability to help us all. But we need to slow down and help give people the cognitive space to really consider their thoughts and actions and consider the truth of things. So take some time, find your sources, make sure you have all those sources pulled up on your phone. Sit down, make a list of all these questions, questions that I gave you here, questions that you could write down or consider from other people's frames and point of view, and have just five conversations. Because I guarantee it's each one of us can change five people's minds. We can change this thing and make it a little bit different. So with that, that's my thoughts and ideas for you. And I've got that posted for you today because I know the uh, voting is going to be happening soon. On the next podcast, I'm going to be talking about who to vote for in local and state initiatives in in and around Arizona. And so with that, if this made you think something or you have questions, then you want to get a sense of what I think or how you could do certain things, you can email me at inclusiveactivismandcox.net. You can learn more about me and the organization that I run at www.inclusiveactivism.com. Please rate, review, share the podcast with others if you feel as though other people might have the ability or if you're like, wow, Rowdy, you said that really well, then send somebody to listen to this podcast and don't try to do this all on your own. Or like you have them listen to this podcast and be like, what did you think about things, right? Recognize though, I'm not like talking to them in this podcast. I'm talking to you. So you're going to have to unpack me as not being a bad guy through their lens because they may feel and think that way. So with that, I appreciate your time and attention. Thank you so much for listening and get out there and vote and encourage everybody you know to vote with all the power that you can. Side note, on the Maricopa Community College's governing board area, please vote for Thor. Linda Thor, please vote for Jacqueline Smith, please vote for um, Susan Bittersmith, and Tom Narini. We have some folks that are attempting to defund the community college system and make it worse, uh, not just for employees and faculty, but also for students, because they'll downright refuse free money coming into us, saying we have more than enough. So please vote in those down-ballot initiatives. And don't just vote yourself. Most people don't vote in that one. So tell people about who I told you to vote for and share that information with them because that is also critically important. So with that, peace and blessings. Have a wonderful day. And we will talk to you soon about who, to, where I'm voting with my ballot and where I think you should vote in yours. Take care.